This is amazing. Yeah. Why is it amazing? Oh, it's just it's glorious. I've uh, I just I've been missing this. You know, it's like there's a hole in my heart being filled right now. Yeah. You like to get your hole filled. <laughs> That's right. It's a gram shaped hole. You like the you like your hole to stay filled, don't you? For as long as possible. You like it as long as possible. What? That's right. Man, it's not. It's already descended into this. And we haven't even gotten to babies yet. Yeah. Hmm. Four hundred million. <laughs> hold it. Hold your prediction, man. Oh, sorry. I don't want to know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to FilmNerds.com. I'm your host Matt Scalisi, and uh, we're we're going to be doing a summer movie preview today. Just kind of taking a, a brief look at what's ahead in the next few months here. Uh, and with me to discuss, uh, as usual, the Flanagan brothers, Ben and Graham, who are actually together tonight, not not separated by hundreds of miles as usual, and uh, and also with us coming from. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Ben Stark, also a, uh, a frequent contributor to Film Nerds. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey. Thanks. All right. Well, let's um, let's just kind of get right into it. I think we're just going to go kind of chronologically down the schedule and uh, and just go month by month. And you know, let's talk about the the big. I guess you know when we talk about summer movies, we're typically not talking about you know things that aren't going to make major hundreds of millions but you know we can talk about those if you guys feel like there's one that's particularly relevant to this summer but i think primarily we're going to be talking about the big tentpole releases and i guess just giving our thoughts on whether or not they're going to be uh as successful as the studios are hoping and i guess you know to start off would be uh next weekend which is sort of the official opening of the summer movie season with iron man 2 uh and then also <clears throat> i guess for the rest of may the, the big ones we're looking at, we've got Robin Hood from uh, from Ridley Scott with uh, with with Russell Crowe, another another revamp of that series. Uh, we've got another Shrek movie. I'm not sure. Do you guys know if that's a 3D release or not? It is. It's going to be. So we got a 3D Shrek movie. We've got Prince of Persia colon The Sands of Time, and we've got Sex in the City two. And I would say those are probably. The big ones, MacGruber, we can throw in there. I mean, what out of that group, guys, for the month of May? Uh, I mean, is Iron Man two kind of the the surefire major blockbuster of May? Let's start with Ben and Graham. Uh yeah, I would think so. I, I, looking down the list and just going over the names you mentioned, I think you should throw Shrek in there for sure because the last few Shrek movies have uh, easily cleared three to four hundred million dollars domestically. Um, I forget. I'm pretty sure Shrek the Third did did that well, but uh, I know Shrek Two is still the highest grossing animated movie of all time. Is it? Is it not? Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It did very well. That yeah. Year. So I anticipate Shrek Forever after doing uh, pretty well. It, you know, it could even steal some of Iron Man's thunder. But um, I think Iron Man. You know, if we're, if we're predicting numbers here, I think Iron Man probably uh, clears $300 million, but I'm not convinced just yet that it uh, surpasses its predecessor. Um, 
you know, just based on some of the reviews I've been hearing, but sometimes reviews don't matter and the audiences just flock to it. And you can look at the Transformers movies, uh, you know, to, to, to factor that in. But uh, what I'm surprised about, and I'm, I want to get y'all's take on this, is I was talking to Graham about this earlier. I'm really kind of surprised that we're not getting Iron Man in 3D, uh, that uh, the studio didn't take advantage of the retrofit um the retrofit format that, uh, you know, boosts ticket prices up and uh, makes for better revenue for some of these movies. And, you know, a lot of these movies have – Alice in Wonderland obviously has reaped those benefits in Clash of the Titans to an extent. Does that surprise you guys at all? And I, are you disappointed or I happy? Feel, well, I, I mean I feel like, you know, what we've seen out of the retrofitting 3D project so far, I, I feel like it's probably a – has has a lot to do with the director, and I don't know how much the directors consulted on that decision, but you know, to me, it doesn't surprise me that that Favreau might not want to go for that, and might just might not want to make the movie all about being 3D. You know, I, I feel like the reason Iron Man had a big appeal in part was because it was sort of seen as a little bit more intelligent than your average superhero movie, and a little bit more sophisticated, just just a little. But you know. I, to me, I, I don't know. I mean, Graham or, or Stark, do you guys have any input or have you guys read anything about uh, what kind of input the directors are having on these on these retrofit 3D projects? Uh, I mean, people, you know, as far as Alice in Wonderland goes, it, it seems to me that Tim Burton had no problem with uh, having it retrofit regardless of what people say, oh, certain shots were designed for 3D in Alice in Wonderland, but but they weren't shot in 3D. I think that's garbage. It was retrofitted, um, just like the rest of them. Uh, and, you know, I've been following Favreau's tweets uh, over the last couple of months, you know, when the movie's been in post-production, and I can't recall him ever bringing up the issue. It just seems like they dodged it and just said, you know what, we're going to do a 2D movie yeah i think um i think if a director has like a strong aversion to it he'd probably make a stand but i think i don't know i think that this movie i I think a lot of times it's it's tacked on um to movies that they're kind of nervous about clearing a certain number and uh i think with this movie they don't have a whole lot to worry about so they've just kind of it's probably been kind of hands off about it plus it's paramount and i don't know if have they been that crazy about retrofitting stuff i thought it was mainly warner brothers and DreamWorks and such. Yeah, you're right for the most part. Well, does anybody is anybody here really? I want to talk about two that I think are going to be disappointments for sure, at least in terms of their budgets, uh, which is Robin Hood and and Prince of Persia. Now, I actually don't know what the I don't know if Robin Hood is a particularly huge budget movie. I'm sure it's not as expensive as Prince of Persia, but you know Ridley Scott has not really been knocking them out of the park box office wise recently and you know to me i i feel like this just looks i i think both of these are going to strike audiences as tired you know people people have not really gone nuts for the sword and sandal stuff or the you know and and robin hood really it it looks like kind of the same old russell crowe period action film that we've seen a dozen times now. I mean, do, does anybody disagree with me? Do you guys think these are going to be big hits? I mean, Robin Hood to me does not look fun. You know, Robin Hood, it's it's Robin Hood and his merry men and 
this movie, it looks like there's nothing merry about it. This is a dark, brooding, wet-looking <laughs> movie um, that, you know, is going to have to live up to, if not surpass, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which I think most people in our generation that grew up enjoying that movie, you know, uh, hold dear. And, you know, if it, if it is anything less than that, it's going to be a disappointment. And already, just judging from the trailers, it does not look like it's going to be a fun Robin Hood-esque experience. But isn't this pre-Sherwood Forest Robin Hood? Yeah, this is supposed to be like the Robin Hood Begins, kind of, which is a silly <laughs> stupid uh, idea. God. Yeah, well, Ben, I know... I know uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm, like, all for it. I'm just saying that's... that's but aren't you all for part. this? I mean, you're you're a Ridley Scott uh, fan, or you're a Gladiator fan, are you not? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you enjoy I'm, Gladiator movies? <laughs> Yeah, I like the Cuba Gooding Jr. one, especially. Um, this, I'm looking forward to this as Gladiator 2, basically. But I'm not, I agree that it doesn't doesn't feel like a Robin Hood movie. But I do remember um, Ebert's review of Prince of Thieves was all based around how how dark and, like, not fun that movie was to him. I, I disagree. I think Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is fantastic. Um, but I think... I don't. I don't know. Probably it'll probably be another ten years before we get another um, Adventures of Robin Hood, where people just kind of let let the characters kind of escapism fly. This is Ben um, Stark who said Kevin Reynolds is the man <laughs> uh, when I talked to him recently. Director of Prince of Thieves. Um, he is. I. You know. I, I'm kind of with Graham uh, in terms of. The Robin Robin Hood not looking like a lot of fun. Like it doesn't look like a summer movie that I'd be interested in seeing. It just seems like it's being released at the wrong time. It looks more uh, autumnal, maybe than, uh, than than like nice. a big time summer movie, big time summer movie, or even the winter time. Um, and they, you know, they did this once with Russell Crowe uh, in the past few years with Cinderella Man too. They released it during the summer and uh, when it would have performed much better during the the winter. So I don't I don't get why they do that. Um, but uh. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, like I'm with you too, Ben. Where it looks like Gladiator too, and I think that's pretty much the consensus from people who are seeing the marketing, uh, the co- very confusing marketing. Because I think that Universal is having trouble uh, figuring out how to market this movie without saying uh, this is Gladiator two, basically. Yeah. But maybe that's exactly what they want people to think. Yeah, My I'll, problem I'll, with it is, um, if I can jump in real quick. You know, a big part of the Robin Hood movies is Maid Marian. Is is Kay Blanchett playing Maid Marian in this? Yeah. So that's an old maid already. Exactly. Well, look at Rob. I mean, it was like I said, it's supposed to be a, like a Robin Hood Begins kind okay, of thing. Okay, so, so Maid Marian is is okay. So this is the beginning of Robin Hood's uh, yeah. adventures, and Maid Marian is twenty years older. Yeah, and she should be. That makes sense. Okay, well, so, so she already is not. She already falls a distant third behind. The uh, behind Mary Elizabeth Monster Antonio, and then the Fox from the Disney Robin Hood. What about Amy Yasbeck? <laughs> yeah, so I'm not feeling that. You know that that you know you need you need sex in your movie. That's what they always say. And already I'm like, who's this like pasty, you know, 45 plus year old Maid Mary? And isn't she like Xena in this? Like, isn't she like? I'm Anna sure Black? they have her fight. Yeah, every yeah. every every revamp of every. You know, classical hero story. Now they did it with with the uh, Antoine Fuqua oh, Arthur man. movie. They had they had the you know 
they had the female lead. All of a sudden, she comes out and she's like the best archer in the gang, and she's a badass. And all, you know, it's just like she says, uh, now. She, she says to one dude, "I won't let them rape you." Which <laughs> is the, the best line in that movie. Stark, you're a big Robin Hood fan. I know. Where do you rank your Maid Marians? Um, Audrey Hepburn's pretty pretty high up there. Um, old Audrey Hepburn. Um, was it De Havilland that played Olivia De Havilland? Yeah, yeah, she's the number one of all women. I'm gonna go with the the uh, fox from the Disney movie, <laughs> and I'll go Amy Asbeck from Men in Tights. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, I wasn't. I would, That's Mrs. Yeah. John Ritter, man. That's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Well, and uh, before we move on from Robin Hood. Um, has anybody else had enough of Mark Strong already as the bad guy in mainstream movies? I haven't seen any movie that he's ever been in, but oh. I, I don't get out much. I mean, you're talking about... He was in uh, Sherlock Holmes, right? He's Yeah, bad guy in Sherlock Holmes, sort of uh, half good, half bad in Body of Lies. Uh, bad guy in a couple of Guy Ritchie, recent Guy Ritchie movies. Kick-ass. And now Kick-ass, and now Robin Hood. So cool it, Hollywood. He looks well, like Andy Garcia. Why he's don't the they British Andy Garcia, man. That's what, I, that's what I told somebody. Well, one more thing, though. Um, I loved Body of Lies, and I thought it was the best work that really Scott's done in a long time. I'm a big fan of that movie, so, you know, hopefully he can continue that with this. And I'm a really Scott fan, hardcore really Scott fan, and I hope this is good. I will see it. Yeah, I want to see it, but I do I do agree that it's it's it has bad marketing and that the, the cast is, for, for the story that they're trying to tell... The cast is like, if this was true to history, it seems like both these folks should be dead, or like almost dead, because they're in their mid-40s, and that's when people died in the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They'd be, they'd be in bad shape. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on, on Prince of Persia, but, I mean, if you if Robin Hood is timed poorly, Prince of Persia is timed even more poorly because it comes out two weeks after Robin Hood, which is, I mean, I think I think... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. Week after period, Shrek. Yeah. yeah, period action films coming out basically three weeks apart. I, I don't know if that's going to fly. Plus, it's Jake Gyllenhaal as an action hero. <laughs> we all, I think we people have heard plenty from us about our feelings on Jake Gyllenhaal. But um, well, it is this. Is, I'll say I'll, you know this is a Bruckheimer movie. Movie. The guy is pretty savvy. He knows what he's doing. And this movie is based on a very popular video game. Um, so I think that it, you know, it ha- it might ha- have a, uh, a large built-in audience uh, that is uh, ready for this movie. Well, we'll see. I, Sex in the City too. I just want to get brief thoughts on that. Does does uh, I, I mean, it, the first one was obviously a pretty surprisingly huge hit. Is 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 the second one going to do similar numbers? I mean, is it is that just sort of a given? Yes. I think so too. I think it. I think it definitely clears a hundred million, and you see it uh, approach one hundred thirty to one hundred forty, maybe even two hundred, possibly. Yeah, this is an event for women. Women are going to go out to dinner. They're going to get margaritas. They're going to go see this. They're going to go see it twice. It's it's a guaranteed hit. All right, let's move on to June. Um, Hold on, Matt. Hold oh, on, I'm Matt. sorry. What, what, yeah. We have something I, else? about we're we're, we're uh, not to mention just right. We're selling short, but. Just kidding. But uh, what about MacGruber, man? I know that you know. I don't know how Ben Stark feels about SNL. We haven't really talked at length about it, but um, you're a big fan, and I think you you're you're a big Wolf Forte fan. I know specifically, so I didn't know how you were feeling 
uh, about not only seeing this movie, it looks funny and it's getting pretty good early buzz from critics and fans, but um, do you think MacGruber has a shot at making any money? No. I, I, look, I love I love the, the all the people that are involved in making this movie, and especially I'm you know I'm definitely going to see it. I'm optimistic that that they got some of the Lonely Island guys involved. I think Yorma was a Yorma Tacconi was a co-writer on the uh, on the screenplay, but he's the director of the movie too. Is he directing the movie yeah, also? Sold, okay, yeah, well, sold director. So you know, and look, I I like Will Forte, but I know enough to know most people don't like Will Forte. There's a reason why he's been on Saturday Night Live a really long time and has not taken off, and it's because people don't like him. He's too weird, and that's why I like him. You know, I like that – I think that's everybody that likes Will Forte likes that he is outrageous and, you know, it, he he's surprising, and he's – you know, he does not go for predictable, easy laughs, and I, I think, you know, that doesn't make you money. If we, all, we all saw – I think, you know, Ben and Graham, I know you guys are big fans of Hot Rod um, – and and we know that movie did not make any money at all. I mean that that was that was not a big hit for them. I know it's it's you know it's making the rounds on cable now, but it was not a a theatrical hit. And I don't think MacGruber's going to be either. I think I think it's it looks it's going to look too weird to people. And I think you know I get the impression most people hate the skit on Saturday Night Live, and I don't really like it either. But I I I think that they're they're going to take it to different places you know in a in a two-hour movie version of it which is what excites me about it but you know i just don't think i don't think there's enough of an audience for people who like will forte i don't think there are that many people who like the mcgruber sketch from saturday night live and you know i i think people just aren't going to get it you know will forte has a very specific type of humor and a lot of his sketches on SNL are held to the very end. Yeah, he's uh, not know? Adam Sandler. He is, he, is, he is definitely the other end of the spectrum from Adam Sandler. Right. Uh, but, I, you know, I think this movie might get pretty good word of mouth. Uh, it's not going to make any money because it's going up against Shrek. It's going to get buried. And, you know, it's all, there are also these other movies that, uh, including uh, what were we talking about before, Robin Hood and Iron Man, that are already going to be out in theaters. Um, so I think I think MacGruber probably leave theaters in about two weeks. <laughs> and it sounds like the ultimate. I'll wait for it to come on Comedy Central kind of movie. Yeah. And you know, you said that, that a two-hour movie. I have a feeling. I don't know the running time, but I have a feeling it's going to be more like the seventy-nine-minute range. Right. Um, yeah. And also, if I'm the studio, I'm kind of you know, uh, I'm a little more apprehensive about. Will Forte being the face of my summer blockbuster, uh, given the horrible uh, financial outcome of the Brothers Solomon, where you had uh, Will Forte as not only like the brainchild behind that movie, but also the face of the movie, and it, it did very, very poorly, uh, super bad, and um, and uh, what was the other one? Knocked up, and also that's when Hot Rod came out too, and. Uh, Brother Solomon, I think, probably made the least amount of money out of all those. Yeah, look, I just think, you know, ahead of his time, whatever you want to use to say, he's he's not a guy who has been embraced by, you know, pop culture. He Will Forte is not a mainstream comedian or comedic actor, so I, I don't expect that really to, to take off. But um looking at looking at June, it, I mean, I'm looking at I'm looking at the June schedule right now. 
And, you know, aside from Toy Story 3, June's looking pretty light to me on major tentpole releases. I mean, you've got to, to start it off, you've got uh, Get Him to the Greek, which, again, it's, it's I think I think it'll do decent numbers, but I don't think it's going to be a, a massive hit. I think it'll it'll probably do similar numbers to uh, to uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, you've got this movie Killers, which I believe is an Ashton Kutcher vehicle um, with with Catherine Heigl. I, I don't see that. I mean, that, that, that could do, again, moderate numbers. I don't see that really taking off. Then you've got, on the 11th, you've got the A-Team movie, which we've all been crying out for, apparently, with uh, Bradley Cooper and Liam Neeson as your two big stars there. I don't I don't see that pulling in a huge audience. You've got that travesty remake of The Karate Kid, which doesn't have karate in it and has All right. uh, and has Will Smith's son. Let me jump in. Let me jump in, Matt. Um, yeah. I'm on The Karate Kid. I, I think it is a travesty that this movie's being remade. But I, I, I saw the, the full-length trailer of this for the first time when I saw Alice in Wonderland. First weekend that movie was out. Theater was packed with kids. It um, got a, an incredibly positive response, and I, you know, it was a really well put together trailer. And I, I'm optimistic about the movie itself. And I've said this before. I, I think that Jackie Chan has a shot at a best supporting actor nomination. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting. I think you'll see what I mean. Well, you know, Graham, I, I'm. I'm surprised you're not more outraged about it because uh, it's forever going to sort of denigrate the great role of the the sensei for the Cobra Kai, which, by the way, looks exactly like you. Have you ever? Has anyone ever told you that? If anyone, Johnny. if anyone wants to know what Graham Flanagan looks like, just watch the Karate Kid and look at the the sensei of the Cobra Kai. Or Google me. Or Google him. Yeah. Um, so, but still, I mean, you know, look, I I wouldn't be surprised if it did some pretty good, because it's, again, it's aimed at kids, and that's usually a pretty safe bet, so that could be, that could be pretty, you know, pretty successful. Jonah Hex and, uh, going up against Toy Story 3, I think Jonah Hex will get wiped out. I think it probably wouldn't do, have done much anyway, because, uh, it seems pretty obscure, and I think they... you know, I think they were probably relying a lot on Megan Fox pulling people into the theater for that one. Yes. Um, yeah, and Josh Brolin's not exactly a. He's not a draw. No, I, I agree. <laughs> no, um, and they buried they buried uh, any kind of advertising you might have seen for this because this they had a little showing at Comic Con uh, back uh, <clears throat> in San Diego a while back, and since then you've seen nothing on Jonah Hex, not even not even a full length trailer until maybe recently. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Megan Fox, she can't sell anything, and she's not. You know, aside from being a terrible actress, I don't see that doing very well. And I agree with you. I think Toy Story is going to be huge this summer. Last, last. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Stark. Well, I was gonna. I, I was gonna jump ahead. Actually, um, you guys don't think Grown Ups is gonna do killer because you're mixing Paul Blart with Sandler, you know, who's like a proven hit. No, yeah, I agree. And Chris I, Rock is in there, you sure. know, who who gets and it looks like an, it looks like a real funny movie, not like a lot, a lot of people reacted to funny people uh, in a negative way. I think. Well, I think funny people is different from grown ups. Yeah, I think so too. That's what I'm saying. I think. Yeah, you've got this PG-13. Uh, what's become a now standard Adam Sandler experience, uh, comedy wise, 
and then you've got this all-star cast of sorts that people consider Schneider to be part of that all-star cast. Um, I do. (laughs) I know I do. Uh, but I think if you look at the trailer, there's a I think there's a best supporting actor nomination in there. <laughs> I just think that they, this these guys, this Happy Madison guys, they have America pegged peg so well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The trailer the trailer ends with like a 45 second little mini sequence of these guys swimming around in their own pee, <laughs> and it just it's it cracks up every theater I've seen it in. It's like these guys have the formula for success, and it's just going to keep going. What about what about this night and day, which frankly sort of surprised me when I started to hear about it, that, that Tom Cruise, first of all, that, that he's sort of choosing to, I guess, break the, the radio silence. He hasn't been around in a while, but that the movie he's choosing to come back with is basically a action comedy with Cameron Diaz. Uh, I mean, is this, is this the right move for Tom Cruise to kind of get back on I'll- the horse? I'll watch it just to figure out what the, what the crap the name means. Night because, and day, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think his name think is night, name? maybe. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, that's what's crazy about it. I looked on the IMDb page, unless unless I missed something. Uh, oh, snap, there we go. Um, his name is Miller, and her name is June Havens. Maybe he's a knight, and we just that. Maybe that's a twist. I don't know, man. Like, uh, or you might, yeah, man. You could be right. Who knows? I can't really tell what the movie's about anyway. Uh, after two trailers, it's Cameron Diaz squealing and Tom Cruise shooting people. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I'm there. Well, it looks like the high rent version of the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think it'll probably do, you know, twice as much business. Which you know, the Bounty Hunter made like sixty million, which was disappointing to a lot of people, but still respectable. So. It'll probably end up in the 120, 130 range. Uh, I don't, Matt, I, to answer your question, I don't know if this is what I would, I don't know if this is what we would typically see Tom Cruise in. Uh, you know, he kind of had his little slump, uh, I guess you could say post-War of the Worlds. Um, even though Valkyrie was moderately successful, <clears throat> um, we just kind of, we haven't really heard much from him. Uh, and would people consider Mission Impossible three a failure or uh, not a success, even though it cleared a hundred million? It's I, huge I, mean, I I I thought this sort of at least the the critical reception was stronger than Mission Impossible two for the for the third. But it didn't make nearly the amount of money that Mission Impossible two did. Right. Let's see. I think I'm looking. I'm, I'm trying to find Box Office Mojo here. Uh, it says it made 134 domestic with 150 million dollar budget, and it, it it's almost 400 million worldwide. So you know you could consider it uh, a success. But yeah, I mean, 134 is not great for a major action film like. Well, that. I mean worldwide. No, you, you want you want that in the first weekend with a right. movie like that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. But think it did get crushed by Da Vinci Code, I think, right after it came out. So. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. And Ben, you've told me that you're an A Team fan, right? Are you? I mean, of the show, yeah. So are you? Are you uh, pretty jazzed about this movie, or not at all? Uh, I don't think it looks all that good. Um, I like Mark a lot, uh, but I didn't see Smoke and Aces. Um, so, but I, I, if you'd asked me, in it stinks. Hmm? It stinks. Oh, it, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. But if you had asked me after I saw Narc, if I would like to see an AT movie with Liam Neeson in it, directed by Joe Carnahan. I would have been all about it. But uh, 
I don't know. It, it it looks really really over over polished. Yeah, it it kinda, like that's kind of disappointing considering. It looks like the SWAT the, movie. Yeah, it's disappointing. Well, even like I don't know. It looks like a Charlie's Angels movie to me. Yeah, it looks like Charlie's Angels for men. Exactly. Yeah. Which in the, sh- the original show was so cardboard that you think that they would keep a little bit of that um, that that atmosphere. But I, I think it looks like a fun movie, except it sold me. Other than, you know, other than the fact that Bradley Cooper is in the tank. Um, I you know I, when I first saw the trailer and and heard the movie was being made, I was kind of indifferent just because I never watched. I've never seen one single episode of the A Team. Uh, but this, the, the most recent theatrical trailer just makes it look like a, a pretty fun action movie with some really terrific set pieces. Plus, you know, I, I, I like Liam Neeson, and I'm looking forward to the dude from District 9, seeing how yeah. he follows that up. Uh, I think that's a pretty is, good move. Is Charlotte Copley? Copley, yeah. <clears throat> well, let's uh, let's get into July, because that's, that's really where the heavy hitters are coming in this summer. It looks like a pretty... Uh, Pretty interesting month for me. No, wait, hold on. No, I'm, no I'm talk sorry. About three. Are we just all assuming that it's going to be incredible? Toy Story three. Toy Story three. <laughs> I mean, I. We're all in. I uh, from what I've heard, you know, it's it's basically the, you know, the same creative team for the most part. So, you know, I look and I I trust the I trust the Pixar guys pretty, pretty automatic at this point. You know, I, they haven't done anything to really make me doubt that they're going to put out another great Toy Story movie. Um, you know, I, I think it'll do huge business, and I expect it to be pretty good. Well, I'm sure Graham will interject. Yeah, I think business-wise it's safe. It's going to make a ton of money. Uh, and the fact that it's 3D, I mean, that that's just going to enhance its profits. But Graham is probably going to uh, dispute this. But uh, I feel like John Lasseter is coming off of making a bad movie in making Pixar's only bad movie with cars. Well, I agree with you there, Ben. Yeah, even though it was wildly successful, and even though this is him and his element making a Toy Story movie. He's not, he didn't direct this. John, oh, he did, he's not the director? I don't think so. No, it's Lee Unkrich who co-directed Monsters, Inc. Oh, that reassures me, Ben, thank you. Yeah. Um, because God, I was, I was just really not happy with cars at all, and even going back and looking at it in HD and everything, and, I w- I'm not a fan of the design of the movie. I'm not a fan of the the, the content. It's just a bad experience. So, um, but I love these characters, and I can't wait to go back and revisit the first two before I see the third. Did you guys go see the 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 first two in 3D when it got re-released? No, I did not. No, no, nope. neither did I. So no discussion point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so July. That was dead. All right. So. So July July fourth weekend, um, I guess that would be, yeah yeah. So July fourth, unfortunately, is on a, a Monday this year, but I guess that's still July fourth weekend. So we have the last Airbender retrofitted for three D. Um, you know, I I don't know how we we could talk about that for an entire podcast. Just just the our our thoughts on Shyamalan sort of doing a, a Nickelodeon adaptation and, you know, obviously I think we all would have said about 10 years ago that we we would be pretty disappointed if Shyamalan ended up adapting a cartoon into a, a 3D family film, basically. But It's a political move, man. He's, he's just got to get his publicity back up. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what he's doing. I think he's trying to win back 
uh, credibility from the studios that he can make a hit again. Um, and here's here's the here's the Ben Stark, the official Ben Stark moment of this show, where everybody starts throwing trash and stuff <laughs> at, their, at their USB mic. <clears throat> the last, the latest trailer for this sold me. I want to see this movie. No, no I want to see it too. I'll, I mean, I'll see it. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, this I, is the first on, time I, I got to think of something else. This is the first time that he's done it. No, I think when he called it Robin Hood Begins. Uh, <laughs> was that it? Yeah, that was the Ben Stark moment, yeah. Uh, but, but this is the first time that M. Night Shyamalan has made a movie, you know, a, that's, he's told a story that doesn't take place uh, in, in a, the contemporary time period, you know? And I, and so this is kind of going to be kind of a new experience. Spoiler this is never... Village. Yeah, seriously. Part, what's that, been? Spoiler for the village. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was... That was six years ago <laughs> I think that uh, that it, I think everybody has I seen that I think it's already it, been spoiled by everyone who's seen it basically yeah it was a joke it was spoiled for the viewers <laughs> Ben I'm, uh, I actually agree uh, when I saw the trailer I wasn't looking forward to watching the trailer but by the end of it I was like am I going to have to go see this movie now yeah. uh, because it actually looks kind of cool <laughs> and it's got Asif Manvi of The Daily Show in a, in a dramatic role I mean, I, I guess what my my the, the reason I'm expressing disappointment at the whole thing is, you know, it's just that that again that that Shyamalan was was doing something special that other people weren't doing for a while, and you know, this I don't think this is going to be that. I don't think this is going to be a movie that's anything at all like The Sixth Sense or Unbreakable or Signs, and that that was a that was a cool thing that there was a guy making movies that were personal character driven stories that happen to have uh, you know supernatural elements involved and you know it, it's unfortunate that he that he's not able to keep telling stories like that because because his, sort of, his talent got away from him i guess i don't know yeah if this movie's successful then the studio might you know sort of yeah. loosen the leash a little bit and say all right you know you can make one of your uh your your bedtime stories again uh hoping that that's successful you know if you can handle this this high budgeted studio film and i think it, this movie might do pretty well um but i mean i it seems like it's like any any typical m night Shyamalan douchiness is kind of absent from this project until the last moment of the trailer where the last thing you see on the screen is written produced and directed by m night Shyamalan you know, the, the, I mean, I guess maybe maybe the studio still thinks that that means something because if it's not original though, so I, I don't see how that can necessarily be like a. a yeah, he didn't. He didn't write it. I mean, he wrote the screenplay, but he. That's didn't, right. But he I mean, he still wants to emphasize yeah. that he pretty much did it all on this project. You know what I mean? Like he has with everything else. It's like the Ed Wood credit, you know. Where yeah. it's like, I did everything, I'm the man, this has my stamp on it, even if this is a television slash video game adaptation. So yeah. Kind of, that kind of bothered me, but otherwise I think it looks pretty good. Well, the Wednesday before that, by the way, it's, it's at least worth a passing mention that the, the latest Twilight movie will clean up and we'll have to hear about it for a couple of weeks and then it'll go away again. It's not a pretty dismissive, Matt. Yeah, yeah I am. I am dismissive. I am dismissive of of Twilight, and I don't want to talk about it on the podcast either. It's <laughs> what is your problem with Twilight? I mean, I'm not defending it. I don't know anything about it, but I just want, I would like to hear Matt's. I would like to hear because I think it's not. I think I think it's not made for 
anybody who doesn't like teenage teenage girl uh, fantasies, basically. I think that's it's made for a very specific audience. It's not made for anybody. It's not made to be universally enjoyed at all. And I, you know, so that if they're not making the movie for all of us to experience it, then I don't think we should. You know, I don't think we should bother well, talking the, about what's it. What's the difference between between that and um, uh, MacGruber? Uh, well, uh, well, I was gonna I was gonna go a lot more incendiary. What about? I'm not saying this movie doesn't have universal applications, but what about like There Will Be Blood or No Country for Old Men? Those are specifically for like smart movie lovers. Yeah, I don't think they were. I think they weren't made necessarily with the audience in mind. I think the filmmaker wanted to make a story. You know, gotcha. that he the filmmaker in those cases had an idea and wanted to make the film, and they they weren't really concerned about who it was going to play to. You know, and and who to sell it to when they were writing the film. I think, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Not novels are made for a specific audience. That's how. That's how they sell books. But I think movies. Uh, again, I've already spent more time talking about it than I want to on the podcast because I don't think. I don't think Look the movie back. was made for any of us here on the podcast. Well, Chris White, the director, I, I listened to a podcast with him on the, the treatment with Elvis Mitchell. He um, said, look, I made this movie for Twilight fans, yeah. you know, people that read the book. Uh, I didn't make it for anybody else. If you like it, that's great. But I basically wanted to put the book on screen. And I think you, you have to take into consideration the, the next couple of directors they picked. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of David Slade. Uh, you know, I haven't seen 30 Days of Night, um, so I don't know what the guy's packing uh, I've talked to a few people that have seen the trailer, big Twilight fans, and uh, their reaction is, uh, wow, this looks, this finally looks like a movie, uh, a real movie, they say. And I think that's interesting. But uh, consider also that they just signed Bill Condon to direct yeah. the fourth Twilight movie. Um, yeah, I read that today. And I don't know what that means to you, and it doesn't mean much to me because I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Now I'm in. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's good at making <laughs> movies that girls like. So it doesn't what, like Kinsey? Did Kinsey play good to girls? Yeah, Maybe totally, not. dude. Maybe That's not. what they watched down at the Zeta house. <laughs> <laughs> they curled their hair. They just rewind that part where um, Laura Linney finds her in the bathroom. That's sitting on the bathtub. Maybe this was the start moment. <laughs> I know I rewind that part. Specific references to Kinsey. Kinsey. So, anyways. The so more on Twilight. Oh, yeah. So, so look, it's going to make a ton of money, and the people who it was made for are going to love it, and and then there's going to be another one next year. So, uh, July 9th, there's... Uh, Is the next one the last one? Yep. Sorry, I'm still on Twilight. What is, is is this is this the last one? So the Condon one is the last one. Yeah, that's right? the last yeah, the one. Condon and so writes another book and cashes in yeah. on the success. Uh, that would be smart. So, so July 9th, we've got uh, Predators, which somebody remind me what exactly Robert Rodriguez's involvement is in that. He he's not directing it. And he, I no, he's the producer. He's kind of like a Spielberg on uh, on Poltergeist kind of deal or Goonies. Yeah. Okay. He's very possessive about it in all the interviews. He kind of oh, talk, keeps talking about how he's doing Predators, and it gets kind of cheap. Isn't it start, isn't dude, some dude named Nimrod Anal directing it? <laughs> the, the guy that did 
Isn't that his name? Yeah, Nimrod Antal. Really <laughs> unfortunate. A- anybody's thoughts on either? Because Despicable Me is also that weekend, which has a, a, a an impressive voice cast. Although I, I think there's been there's it's debatable as to whether or not that can help you sell a movie. Uh, anybody's Despicable thought- Me. They started that that marketing like last year. Yeah, it, they, 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 they've gotten way out uh, ahead of it. Yeah. Well, so I have a feeling it's going to make a lot of money. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it looks funny. I'm mostly going to see it because of the the voice cast, but I don't think a lot of people will see animated films that way. Does anybody think that either of these are going to be a particularly big, you know, talking about in the 250 to 300 million range? No, no, no. 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 Hey, unless you buy Adrian Brody as a hardened commando, you know, <laughs> in this Predators movie. I mean, it's I can't Adrian, believe... Adrian Brody, Topher Grace... And Lawrence Fishburne, who's got to be pushing sixty by now. This, that's a that's a pretty odd cast for an action movie. Look, I think that there there is potential for more good Predator movies to be made, uh, and I and I would see them because I'm such a big fan of the first movie, and I really like the second one too. But the AVP stuff is just lame. Awful, um, yeah. And I just think you know uh, you've got too many characters uh, outside of. The Predator. What works so well with the first movie is that, you know, at some point, not, not only did you have interesting characters surrounding Arnold Schwarzenegger, but at one point, once they're all killed off, you you just have Schwarzenegger versus the Predator, and you just kind of got this really terrific uh, man versus wild um, second half. Uh, but when you have all these wisecracking, um, you know, uh, <laughs> commandos or uh, scientists or, you know, other, other sort of field experts who are dragging the movie and the plot along with just bad dialogue, it doesn't work as well for me. So I, I can't say that I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, although, you know, I think Rodriguez's involvement is, you know, it's worth noting and it might be worth checking out. So Matt, should they have gotten The Rock and just done, like, a retread of the first one? I'd rather see that than this movie. Well, one I really want to talk about is Inception, because I think it's really interesting that Warner Brothers decided to put this out as a big summer movie. Uh, it's going up opposite The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which, you know, say what you want about about Jerry Bruckheimer and Nicolas Cage and, the, the you know, whether or not you sort of respect the films that they've made, but I, they've, they've done a lot of money uh, recently, you know, and I, and I think Sorcerer's Apprentice certainly... It's nothing to be laughed at as far as a you know a box office competitor. Inception, it's an you know it's certainly a bizarre trailer, and I certainly don't think people uh, are are going to see that and think, man, that's going to be some some light airy fun, you know, on a summer on a summer afternoon. Do you guys think that Inception really is it is it poorly placed? I wouldn't have. I would have said that before Avatar came out because I really didn't think Avatar was going to do all that well because basically all they had to sell it was the technology and, and the name, um, but uh, the, the name James Cameron. Um, but now I think I think the director of The Dark Knight. I think that means quite a bit in the marketplace, and I think um, the 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 trailer gives you enough kind of an interesting new way new use of visual effects that I think could get a little bit of like a matrix type reaction where people are just kind of enraptured by, um, just 
the the visuals that they stuff that they've never seen before. So I I, I think it's going to do pretty good. Plus Leonardo DiCaprio probably isn't going to hurt, and the cast, the rest of the big cast. How did uh, somebody somebody remind me how Shutter Island ended up doing box office wise? Very well. It, it, it did uh, do well, and and I think we have to say DiCaprio was must have been a big part of that. It cracked a hundred million, and um, I you know, but but maybe, and that's kind of like a what have you done for for me lately kind of thing, and sh- you can say Shutter Island, but before that, the guy, uh, at least domestically, wasn't really uh, setting the box office on fire. You know, um, Body Lies, Revolutionary Road, Blood Diamond did pretty well, but. It, not Titanic numbers by any stretch. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to see this movie, and I think I think it looks great. Um, but yeah, I get that same kind of uh, feeling that that Ben was kind of describing. Um, but I had that same feeling, and I think a lot of other people had that same feeling about the Matrix. And look, in the trailer, there is kind of like crazy, cool martial arts fighting going on with those two guys in the hall that seems to be kind of rotating. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and, and watch. They they gave this movie a 200 million dollar budget, and it's partially an IMAX. It has a bad title, but it's kind of like it's kind of one of those you know, Christopher Nolan must have something up his sleeve. Yeah, and they're playing it very close to the vest. They're not really in. That's kind of what I like about it is that I I, I don't really know anything about this movie, I, I, and I don't want to know either. But Graham. You mentioned the budget being $200 million. Um, I think that this has potential to be one of the biggest flops of all time. Um, That's a huge budget for a movie that does not look like it's trying to be Transformers. Which well, is yeah, gonna, that's what's gonna, yeah, that's what's going to make you $200 million. Yeah, if it does well, imagine. I mean, uh, it'll be in a completely original movie that yeah. broke records or whatever happens. Uh, uh, next to Avatar. Um, and, and Christopher right. Christopher Nolan does not want to fail. I mean, he he if if this movie fails, he's going to have so much pressure on him when it's time to do the next Batman movie, because they're going to say, okay, now not only do you have to be better than The Dark Knight, but you also have to uh, redeem what might be at that time, quote unquote, one of the worst failures of all time, worst flops of all time. So he needs this to succeed. And I think he knows what he's doing at this point. Well, the reason I'm really looking forward to seeing it is that it's his, you know, the movie in between the next Batman movie, uh, or in between Batman movies. And the last one of those we got was The Prestige, which I think is <laughs> Nolan's best movie to date. And now you've got Inception, which I think looks great visually and it sounds cool. I mean, all, again, all I really know is that it's a thriller set within the architecture of the mind. That's what they, that's the line they keep throwing out there. Um, and from the look of it, I can't really make out what it's about. I don't know if anybody else can or if anybody's heard anything, and I really don't want to know, but I, I really, I still think that Sorcerer's Apprentice wins the weekend, honestly. I, I think so, too. I think it, Sorcerer's Apprentice and per, Prince of Persia, mm-hmm. I think, looks like they're trying to bottle their Pirates of the Caribbean-type franchise, Brookheimer franchise. At least the Sorcerer's Apprentice doesn't have a colon title, like, uh, Prince of Persia does. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes, if it pops up eventually before the release. The colon, yeah. the colon title on a, on the on a first movie in a series is insulting to me because it's like it's like saying to us, "Look, 
I know you're going to go see this, and I'm already planning on making two others, so don't even worry. You know, there's going to be there's going to be sequels. There's something, Wonderful. There's something inherently insulting about that to me. Any uh, last thing before we let Graham and Ben go. Um, there's nothing really the last weekend of July except for sort of some kids movies, but um, the twenty the twenty third we've got dinner for schmucks and uh, salt, which is uh, to me salt has a lot of bust potential um, because I, I think for one it's people people are not going to get excited about a movie that they don't have any idea what it's about. Again, there's no brand there. It's just a just kind of a generic. Angelina Jolie playing uh, playing a spy, which we've sort of already seen before. Um, but but Dinner for Schmucks to me, I've been interested in for a while, just because sort of you know it's sort of interesting to me the idea that these guys this this Apatow team decided to go adapt a French comedy. I I just think that's that sounds like interesting territory. What, what do you guys think about those two? I can't wait for Dinner for Schmucks. Uh, well, I mean, look at it on paper. It stars Steve Carell and Paul Rudd. It's directed by who? Jay Roach. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> tell me what. Tell me what you think of it. Galifianakis is in there. Right, Galifianakis is in it too. Tell me if you'd like to see this movie. It's a movie that is starring Jack Black, Ben Stiller, written by Larry David and directed by Barry Levinson. Would you be? Is that something you'd be interested in? Look, I yeah, I mean, look, I know it. it there's there's no there's no surefire things in comedy. I I just think uh, this one this one doesn't seem like. And by the way, the the movie you're talking about, everyone knew that was going to be a disaster from early going, and and that's why the studios didn't pump it. I, think I got that, that vibe from this trailer, man. Do you it, think, it, I, I, mean, I feel like the studios good. feel confident in Dinner for Schmucks. I hope so. I but think it looks great. It's because they've got two guys, or one at least, who is you know a very, very marketable star in Steve Carell. He's he's made a lot of money, uh, but I just I, I'm telling you, man, I, I I do not I'm not feeling it right now, just based on that one trailer. Um, salt. I mean, just just your your quick thoughts on that, Ben and Graham. Am I wrong? Is that gonna is that intrigue anybody there? Um, no, I, I think it's a, a bad title, even though I'm looking at the poster right now and Angelina Jolie looks great. And that's, you know, that's a step in the right direction for me. You know, if I, if the movie's about, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, Angelina Jolie looks really hot in this movie. I'll go see it. It's got some action, whatever. But I think I'll wait for a uh, fair game, the Valerie Plame movie. Uh, <laughs> well, and you know, salt, the poster is the, the tagline is who is salt. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, exactly. Why do we care? <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Ben and Graham, we'll go ahead and let you guys go, and uh, and Stark and I will handle August. All right, guys, we'll see you then. All right, see you. Later, guys. See you. Okay, well, Ben, Stark, and I are going to handle the month of August here from uh, from here on out. Ben, uh, I want to talk about the, the first weekend of August. You've got Step Up 3D. Hard, hard to know. I mean, th- those movies have, have done pretty well considering their budget, so I, I imagine that one's going to do – uh, similarly well with uh, whatever audience is seeing these these dance movies uh, I, I guess it's probably teenage girls is that is that your understanding of why these movies are hits I, I assume so I've uh, they've been completely off my radar I didn't even realize they're oh that's right so it was to the streets step it up to the streets yeah that, <laughs> there's a lot of them um, but but the the one I want to talk about from that weekend is, the other guys, which is the Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell buddy comedy, uh, 
Um, and you know, there's a it's a pretty good supporting cast in there, by the way. So I mean, it's 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 a it's a Adam McKay Will Ferrell movie that a bunch of people wanted to wanted to you know have a good time and be a part of. You got The Rock, Eva Mendez, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Keaton, Steve Coogan is in there. Um, you know, but but frankly, Will Ferrell sort of is in a position where I would say he kind of needs a hit right now. You know, he from from going from being you know an absolute surefire monster for a little while there, he's really kind of taken a dip. I, I, he really hasn't had a movie open bigger than his his last movie that opened with more than thirty million. Uh, was Blades of Glory, and that only opened at $33 million. So, it, you know, it's kind of a far cry from from Talladega Nights and, and Anchorman, although Anchorman didn't didn't have a huge opening, but it turned into a big phenomenon. But, you, you know, he's coming off of semi-pro Step Brothers and Land of the Lost, none of which were really, uh, you know, fully unqualified successes. Um what do you think, just from seeing the trailer so far on this, you know, what do you think about this movie? I think it looks actually surprisingly funny. I, I wouldn't, on paper, it doesn't look, it doesn't sound like that funny of an idea, but in the trailer it actually came across as a, as a pretty solid idea. And um, Mark Wahlberg has the potential to, I don't know, he can, he's, he can be, I mean, he's hilarious in The Departed and he's unintentionally hilarious in The Happening. <laughs> so, so I think he, uh, I think that's an interesting, uh, I think it's an interesting cast. Um, and it, like I said, the, the trailers kind of surprised me. As far as money, I'm not sure. I don't necessarily see the potential to to do a, a really well, but I don't see anything else this summer that's really going to take the spot of the kind of, you know, 20-something guy comedy. Well, you know, I think the, it'll be probably competing with sort of leftover audiences from from grown-ups because i think they're going after the same audience really uh, it seems like me to me the grown-ups is just going for the uh old dogs wild hogs Do you think? I, I, I don't know comedy yeah i don't know i think i think the audience is split but i think this is definitely geared more towards the anchorman crowd that i think might be a little bit young for the the um, adam sandler family comedy yeah well the the 13th uh, is a very interesting weekend. It's got three movies that I I think are all sort of interesting, um, you know, potential case studies in in you know and and they're they're not they're not slam dunk hits, but they're the kind of movies you see in August, which is they they appeal to a very specific audience and they they all have the chance I think to do pretty good business. You've got Eat, Pray, Love, which is a Julia Roberts vehicle that that is an adaptation of a book that is really popular with kind of older women with the the Oprah book club crowd uh you know it was an enormously popular book so i you know i think it could potentially um score score pretty big numbers based on you know hitting its audience you've also got the expendables which is uh you know a, a movie that kind of the the internet crowd has been excited about for a while just because it's sort of a a, a strangely impressive cast for a movie that is, you know, not getting a bigger, uh, you know, more prime spot than it is. It's, you know, Stallone, uh, Mickey Rourke, Jet Li, and then, and really the, the names everybody's heard about, the cameos from, from Bruce Willis and Schwarzenegger. But, 
you know, so I think there could be some excitement for that. And then the same weekend, you've also got the new Edgar Wright movie, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is, um, you know, definitely going after the, the kick-ass crowd that didn't show up. But, um, but I, you know, but I think it's potentially got a, a wider appeal than kick-ass because it's not going for the hard R. It's not playing as much towards pure comic book fans. It, I think, I think it could be just kind of a broad hit, uh, you know, and, and Michael Sarah's got, he's had some level of success, I guess, but, uh, you know, of those three, Ben, do you think any of those? Uh, which would you put your money on having the most box office success of those three movies? I think Scott Pilgrim easily. Um, I think I don't. I'm, is there a Michael Sarah backlash at this point? I can't really. There, tell. There's been there's been some. There's certainly there's certainly among guys. I think are a little sick of uh, of kind of his emo charm. That, but yeah. you know, look, my wife loves Michael Sarah, and I think a lot of <laughs> A lot of girls in their twenties like the the sort of meek, sensitive, comedic lead, as opposed to you know he's kind of the polar opposite of of uh, Bradley Cooper, if you want. You know he's 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 not confident at all, and I think people like that in a in a comedic male lead. Yeah, I think I think that and just the trailer sells it nicely. I think um, the comic book is is pretty uh, pretty popular. Um, and it has a pretty nice following. I think it's, I, it's got that kind of, uh, fake indie street credit. I think that's gonna mm-hmm. give it a, give it a nice push. Um, but between that and the expendables, I'm not sure. Yeah. I guess you got the whole family covered that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. The expendables is interesting to me. I, I, I'm really, there's, there's, it's been one of those things like, uh, you know, like I guess I always point to snakes on a plane where, nerds seem to get really excited and they sort of get the get the producers and the studio excited because there's all this internet buzz and then they don't show up because ultimately they're not actually taking the movie seriously they're they they more like the idea that it exists than actually the movie itself yeah yeah i mean if if they, they can hopefully if they can ride that and ride the publicity that they're getting with with the the schwarzenegger stallone Willis meetup that's in the movie. Um, if they can ride that publicity, they'll, it'll be good. But if it's anything like Rambo, which took itself way too seriously and was just not, it was just a bad movie altogether. If they actually made a fun, true lies type action movie, then I think the word of mouth will spread and it'll it'll do okay. But if if it's as, if it's a sleazy, truly eighty, the grimy eighties. Um, straight to video action movie that it's kind of looking like. I I think it's going to be like you said, kind of a snakes on the plane where where people like talking about that it's out there, but nobody's actually going to dare go see it. Well, and and you know the rest of August, I think those three will sort of fight it out for for the last yeah, two weeks of August so. too, because looking <laughs> at it, you've got you've got Nanny McPhee returns, which I guess you know. It, could could pull in some kids. I don't think the first one was a particularly huge hit. Um, Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D. You've got uh, uh, you've got a Justin Long, Drew Barrymore romantic comedy, which you know I know we've all been clamoring for that ever since they, uh, you know, a- everyone's really excited about that relationship. Um, and then Are you've they got in real life. Uh, well, they were, and then I think they broke up and then made this movie. Um, 
And then you've got an Eli Roth horror film, The Last Exorcism, which I, I, I assume he's, again, that's a case of a guy trying to sort of, you know, possibly position himself for a bigger budget in the future by going for the easy money these days is, is uh, demonic possession and, and exorcisms have done a lot of sort of sneaky box office money in the last few years. So I, I assume that's what he's going for there. But, you know, that's pretty much it for the for for the month of August. So, you know, I think I think you're going to see Eat, Pray, Love, Expendables and Scott Pilgrim maybe continue to battle in those top spots for for the remainder of August. Just because there's really nothing else to compete with them after that. Yeah, it's really depressing, honestly. <laughs> this summer is, except for Inception, the summer is really, really front heavy. I agree. Like. Yeah, you know, the, I think it looks to me right now like if if 2010 summer is missing anything, it's missing uh, multiple big action franchises and you know you've got iron man 2 in there but but 2011 is really seems to be where they're gonna all fight it out you're gonna have another transformers movie by then you're gonna have two marvel movies am i right about that are are thor and captain america both gonna be 2011 i'm not sure i'm not sure i know thor is yeah I think I, I well yeah I could be wrong about Captain America but yeah I think Captain America might be 2012. But. Well, but but so you're gonna have you know you're gonna have a, a Marvel movie you're gonna have a Transformers movie, um, you know 2011 is is probably is that the the Harry Potter right the last Harry Potter's coming yeah out. The, there will be there will be another Harry Potter in 2011 summer in in 3D so that'll be in the, la- the last one. Well, there are, I, right so, so is there it's part two, right? Because part one's coming out in November. Right, I think I think the second one is slated for for a summer release. So, uh, you know, there'll be another Pirates of the Caribbean movie in in 2011. There'll be another Mission Impossible in 2011. Uh, I'm just I'm just sort of yeah. briefly glancing at this to get a good idea. And, and then July of 2011, right now, is scheduled for you. Got Transformers three. You've got a Harry Potter movie, and you do have yeah, Captain America is scheduled for for that oh, wow. month in 2011. Wow. So it's gonna be. It's like an 07 kind of thing where it's just like loaded up with all the franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's stacked next year. So, you know, 2010 probably a little bit of a lean summer. But, you know, there could be a surprise hit in there. And I guess we'll – maybe we'll do a post-summer wrap-up. And, uh, and but, but we'll be talking about some of these uh, over the course of the summer. And uh, I think you can definitely expect to see an Inception podcast from this group and, and maybe even one on, uh, on another surprise hit or two. But – um, but Ben, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me for this, and uh, and we'll we'll talk to you again soon, probably about one of the movies that we discussed here tonight. All right, man, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks. <laughs>